Heavenly Father, we come to you today and thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for um, this group of people and just an opportunity to encounter you as family. Um, we pray for honesty today in our hearts. We pray that you'll um, just meet us where we are um, and help us to receive the words that you have for us through Bill. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give Bill a big hand because he deserves it. I'm getting a low. Is anybody else hearing that? Oh, good. It's a low. Turn the bottom end down a little bit, I think. All right. Um, We are in a a summer of uh, spiritual CrossFit training as we think through the practices, the disciplines, the exercises that will get us into the kind of shape that will actually be useful to Jesus in saving the world. I need to keep saying that, and Darren says that regularly as he's speaking as well on these things, because the reason we do the disciplines is not so that we get good at doing the disciplines, but so that when we are on point, we have capacity to do without thinking about it the things that we want actually to be able to do. So how do we cooperate with the Holy Spirit as Christ is formed in us? Because our following of Jesus is not just or even primarily about getting to heaven. It really is becoming the kinds of people that he can trust to empower to do whatever we want. Most of us are not at a place where we could be trusted with that kind of power just yet. But what is the goal? What is the, the, the plan? What is the strategy to become that kind of person? Not just somebody who, who can be kind and generous when we're thinking about it, but who are, are kind and generous in the moment on point. Um, watching, as I'm sure many of you are, the Olympics um, this, this last uh, uh, couple of weeks and just in awe of people who, who can do the kinds of things that those people can do, right? Watching the diving yesterday and, and, and the gymnasts over the last couple of weeks and the runners, it's just mind-blowing to somebody like me who has absolutely no athletic ability or really for that matter interest uh, because I have no ability. I think those two things tend to go together. Um, at, at all, and just even thinking about it in the tiny little ways that, you, you know, Jude and I have been on vacation the last couple of weeks, and, and part of vacation for us, the boys come down, um, uh, we have a timeshare in Carlsbad, and they come down, and, and always they want to go blow, go play golf. Well, the reason they take me along is because I pay. That's <laughs> really the end of it, and they tolerate. I try to get as many strokes per dollar as I possibly can. I think that's the only way... I can make sense of the astronomical costs of, 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 of doing this. And, and I, I've discovered about golf that it is, it is a mystery. It's just pure. Anybody play golf? I mean, really know what you're doing? Play golf? Isn't it? It's just, it's just, I just am in awe of people who can take all of those hundreds of little Physical, if you think about the kind of shot you want to make, you won't make it. Because as soon as you start to think, you start to feel, okay, this muscle, this, this, uh, no, shoulder, no, shoulder down, uh, arm straight, no, not, uh, 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 
And, 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 and in order to do it with any degree of skill or, or ability at all, you have to have done it thousands, strokes thousands of times so that you can do it without thinking about it when you're on, on, on the course. And I've discovered that, that standing on the, on the driving range on that little mat that they provide you is not at all the same thing as playing actually on the course with real grass and real bodies out there that you could actually hit. If, if you're, if my, my sons have learned that when dad is up, there is no safe place to stand. I have been known on my backstroke to wing the ball at an innocent bystander who happened to be related to me by, by marriage and birth. But um, <laughs> anyway, I am in amazed, in, in awe of, of those kinds of folks. And I realized again, and you've seen the commercials, I'm sure that are, are present with the Olympics, the one that just sticks in my head is the one of the guy watching on, on his smartphone, right, the final round of the decathlon, and, and seeing the number that the winner posted, the gold medal winner posted, and, and, and going and, and writing that number in the sand as the one that he needed to achieve. But then he doesn't just write it in the sand and say, that's my aspirational goal. He gets out on the track. He begins to develop the muscle memory that will enable him to do those kinds of athletic feats without thinking about it. That's what I want in the way of the Spirit. I want to become kind and gentle and joyful and patient and loving when I'm not thinking about it. And today particularly, I want to be that way when I'm not... Uh, well-rested, and when I haven't had my morning coffee. Because I can be kind when I'm well-rested, when I've had my coffee, and when I'm thinking about it most of the time. Any, anybody else? A few of us can be kind and generous when we're, when we're well-rested, when we've had our morning coffee or whatever it is, right? And, 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 and when we're thinking about it. Well, what about when you're not thinking about it? What about uh, changing my sports illustration here for a minute when the ball's coming at you at 95 miles an hour and if you think about it, it's passed? The people who bat for a living don't think about hitting the ball out of the park. They do it because their muscles have memorized behaviors. Their body has memorized responses. Musicians, the same way. Dancers, the same way. Actors and actresses, the same way. People who are good at anything that requires the encephalization of function. It's like, I love that word. I learned that from Dallas Willard. And, 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 and all, he's doing, all he's saying there is that your body has a memory that is beyond simply memorizing. Well, those are the disciplines that we're talking about. But one of the things that we discover is that sometimes we have to break up some bad habits in order to relearn the right ways of thinking and doing. Not only that, but sometimes we have allowed around our lives a crust of comfort to develop that prohibits the breaking in of the life of the Spirit. 
of the life of the Word. It's like um, growing up, as I did in southern Alberta, in, up, up in Canada, uh, my, my dad um, uh, planted a garden at the, in, in the springtime that required us, as, as the ground was still thawing often, because remember, in, in southern Alberta and Canada, the snow on the ground for six months out of the year, right? And the ground freezes down a foot and a half. I know, it's hard to believe, isn't it? And people live in places like that. I, or that's what they call it. Uh, anyway, so, so, so and the ground freezes. So as spring comes and it crosses into uh, you know, March and April and, and into, into late April, then we get out there with our pitchforks and we start to turn over the soil so that, it, so that we can just plant and, and water and, and so on. And I, kept, I remember as a kid thinking, all we're going to do is put seeds on this and, and water. Why don't we just cut out the middle operation and just do that? So I asked one day, Dad, why don't we, you know, because the ground has been frozen, it's been pressured under the snow, it's been whatever, it's hard. Why don't we just put this and then water it? And then, and, and he said, well, if we do that, the seed will float away. The ground has to be broken up in order for it to receive the seed. In order for it to receive the water. Those of you who've grown up in desert climates, you know what this is, is, is like as well. Like, the ground gets so rock hard that if water were to fall on it, it just runs off like, like it was Teflon. It has to be broken up in order for the water to penetrate down below the surface. How many recognize that you've got a crust around your life of comfort that needs to be broken up enough for the seed to be sown, for the water to percolate down into the soil and make a difference. The primary discipline that breaks up that comfort level particularly is the discipline of fasting. Fasting is a discipline that says, I will choose usually not to eat solid food for a specified period of time, usually two or three days. One day is helpful for those of us who are beginners. One meal is helpful for those of us who are beginners. And I will choose to do that, even though food is good, God has given it to us, I will choose to do that because I want my body to know it's not in charge. I want to break up the comfort levels. I've, I have discovered that I hide in food. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Not just comfort food, any food. We find ways to hide in it. And I don't want to be hiding from the Word of God and the water of the Spirit in things that, while good, have become distractions for me. Right? So fasting is a way to push back against that. And almost every religion in the world has a discipline of fasting as part, uh, whether it's the Islamic Ramadan, the Feast of Ramadan, or or uh, any, of the other, any of the other ways of doing it. So that's the usual way to do it. There are variations on the theme. There's a, uh, what's called the Daniel Fast, which is uh, eating only fruits and vegetables for an extended period of time and, 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 and you know, water and juices as well. Um, there are, there are um, some of us have, have discovered that we have become 
Um, maybe addicted is too strong a word. Maybe it isn't too strong a word. But on things that distract us. Addictions are the things that we go to when we, when we need comfort or to hide. Right? And, and we're discovering um, increasingly in the population that I work with that social media has become a place of addiction. Facebook and Twitter and all kinds of other, uh, uh, other ways and places of just avoiding media of all kinds. Right? And so whether it's solitude and silence that Darren talked about two or three weeks ago, or now fasting, which is what I'm talking about now, the goal of these things is to break up those crusts of comfort that we have allowed to protect us from real encounter with the living God. That's what, what we're in, intending to do there. Um, and, and again, there's, there's all kinds of ways of doing that. So, so for Lent, down the line, we've done this before. People choose to give up sweets or give up chocolate or give up coffee or give up some of those things. Those are some minor ways to do it. It's just a way of saying these things are not bad in and of themselves. It's just that I recognize I'm going to those things and it's providing me a level of protection, insulation, if you will, from the encounter with God that I really desperately want and need. Here's the other element of it, and I want you to sit with this for a minute. We are apprentices of Jesus. The goal of this conversation this summer, these transformational practices, is to enable us to partner with the Spirit as we move towards Christ-likeness. So part of that is to say, what did Jesus do in His life that I can do so that over time I am trained in muscle memory to be able to do what I can't yet do, but which Jesus did naturally. Here's the one that gets me just over and over again. Jesus, hanging on the cross with His last breath, forgave those who put Him there. That, to me, is not natural. That, to Jesus was natural. For him to have done anything else but forgive them, us, would have been unnatural. How do, how do I get to the place where in a situation like that, I want revenge when somebody cuts me off on the freeway. Right? How do I get to the place where I am there as a result of injustice I am experiencing pain and loss as a result of something I did not do and do not deserve. And my first and natural response is not calling down fire from heaven, but Father, forgive them. I want to become that kind of person. Do, do, do you know? Because otherwise, all the world is going to get is endless cycles of revenge. Where, where it's a race to the bottom, kind of like our political season right now. Who can have the most egregious spun attack ad? And by the way, there's a lot of us who do Christian life that way. Taking, now moving completely away from the political realities, I just want to say, we're not built for that kind of quid pro quo Life, it will not save the world. 
So I want to become the kind of person Jesus can trust. As a result, I need to stick as close to him as I possibly can. So, why do we fast? Well, one and only reason is Jesus fasted. This is something he did. So it's something I can do. It's really hard, but I can do it. So let's look in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, and you'll see what I'm talking about here. This setup, by the way, Matthew chapter 3 sets us up. Jesus has been baptized in water. He has been uh, received the Holy Spirit. That same Holy Spirit then drives him out. Now it says in verse 1, where did we go? Is it, there it's back. Okay. When, uh, I'm looking at it in the mirror and it half in between. Anyway, Jesus, was, that did disappear, didn't it? It did go away. Okay. I'm watching you up there. <laughs> then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. How many just think that's just not fair? Led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Sometimes that happens. Now I want you to notice how Jesus prepared for that temptation. Look at the next verse. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Then he became hungry. He was good enough at fasting that he was able to do it for 40 days and 40 nights without being hungry until it was over. I need you to sit with that. Jesus had learned mastery of his body. Okay? Then the tempter came to him and said to him, If you are the Son of God, deal with your hunger by telling these stones to become bread. Jesus' response is telling. It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And we'll just leave that up there again. Thanks, Alyssa. So as we sit with this, please notice Jesus had the capacity to end his hunger but had developed the capacity as well through fasting to not let his body dictated what was good for him. This is, a 40-day fast is supernatural. I get that. But I'm guessing that a one-day fast might not be. Maybe that will just be powering through and getting good enough at it until our body gets the message a day or two in. By the way, after about three days, your body gives up and you're not hungry anymore. Right? For those of you who have practiced that, you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about. Which tells me what? The body's signaling that I'm hungry and me actually needing food are different things. How many have had your body tell you things that are simply not true? You know exactly what I'm talking about. That is what fasting is about. It is about saying to, to it is about me saying to my body, "You are not the boss of me. I will be in charge, and I will choose to feast on the word of God rather than to hide in food." Okay. So he says it's written, "You don't live by bread alone." Now, and again, please notice, Jesus isn't saying anything wrong with bread. He's just saying, if we're counting on bread to be our nourishment, we will only be nourished in the ways that bread can nourish us. 
which, as it turns out in this moment, is inadequate for the temptation that I'm in. Had Jesus turned the stones into bread, failed the temptation, he would have been no better than Adam and Eve were in the garden, than Israel was in the wilderness. So, I need to learn how to survive on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Somebody has said to me, well, that's, that's how the enemy works. He attacks us in our point of greatest weakness. No, you don't understand Jesus' use of fasting. Fasting was, for Jesus, not about weakness. It was about strength. Fasting was the way in which Jesus became strong enough to be able, with the bread sitting right there in front of him, to say, no, I don't need that. The, den- the enemy did not come to him at his point of greatest weakness. It came to him at his point of greatest strength. He had been feasting for 40 days on the Word of God. You think bread is going to be a satisfactory substitute for that, for him? I don't think so. No, he's hungry. We're not denying the reality of his physical hunger. He's just saying that's not going to be the decider of what I actually do. Now, if Jesus did this and learned into this by his pattern and training up in Judaism, in which fasting is a regular part of the discipline of life, I'm thinking that he may intend us who he has called to follow him to do this. Now, if there were no other reasons than just this, this would be enough for us to regularly fast as part of our discipleship, part of our following of Jesus. Do you you see? Why? Well, because Jesus is the smartest man who ever walked the face of the earth. Can we say that out loud? Jesus is a source of real knowledge and information about how the world actually works. He's not just good to die and get us to heaven. He really knows how life works. So if this was a part of the pattern of his life, I'm guessing that it would be beneficial, even if I can't make the pieces all line up at once, I'm guessing that it would be beneficial for me as well. And I will never know until I've gotten good enough at it to prove the point. But the witness of those who are good at fasting is that it has the exact effect on them that it did on Jesus. They can manage temptation specifically at the bodily level, at the physical and psychologically addictive level in ways that they simply could not prior to the fast. Because capacity to say no to food gives us capacity to say no to other things that we have begun to hide in, whether it's alcohol or drugs or pornography or whatever else it is. In fact, one of the disciplines that I lead people in when I'm, when I'm uh, walking them out of a pornography addiction is this discipline of fasting physical food. Because that's measurable and it develops capacity to be in charge of my body enough to let it know that I'm not going to believe what it tells me that I need and must have now. I don't know if your body works the same way mine does, uh, but about 15 or 20 minutes before noon, it sends up a signal. You, you need to be looking around for a place to eat. 
because in about 20 minutes, we're supposed to eat down here. And today, I think we're going Thai. I don't know what you're feeling, but Thai is where we're feeling. Some, 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 you know, four and a half, five on a scale of one to ten. Curry sounds really good. Green, green curry sounds really good. Now, how many of you are already starting to say, oh, wait. Actually, that does sound pretty good. I wonder if Thai gourmet is available. And it, I mean, we, we, we do this all the time. Now, the fact is, we don't need that. And if, for whatever reason, I was prohibited from going to Bangkok Corner, I would be just fine. I would not die. In fact, it's probably going to be quite a while that I can survive without food. The problem is that we have trained ourselves to respond to the infantile demands of our body and brain. And as a result, have virtually no capacity to say no to ourselves in just about any other area of our life. If you are struggling with excessive consumerism, fasting is a good way to begin to put into place a regimen of muscle memory that will enable you to say no to whatever it is that you struggle with the purchase of. So those are, that's a good reason all by itself. But here's the other thing. If we look at this next passage, we'll discover that Jesus simply expects his disciples to fast. If we look at the one over here in, in uh, Matthew chapter uh, 6, where he begins Sermon on the Mount saying, When you fast, please notice what's the operational word there. Not if, but when you fast. Don't look somber as the hypocrites do. Uh, they disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. The point of fasting in Jesus' day was to demonstrate righteousness. So what do I, how, do I, how do I signal to people that I'm righteous enough to be fasting? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to increase the, the mourning. I'm going to s- signal to people that I've got this, uh, you know, I'm really under spiritual burden. Yeah, and and uh, are you noticing? Jesus says, when they're noticed, they have received their reward. They get what they're really after here. Fasting is not going to have any effect on them other than... By the way, Pharisees fasted two days a week. Our righteousness is to exceed that, he says, of the Pharisees. So Jesus fasted. He expects us to fast. He says, however, when we do so... Go ahead, the next one. When you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. In other words... Don't walk around so that people will notice. Just go about your everyday, ordinary business. Uh, and and um, the point is that fasting is assumed to be a part of the regular life of the apprentice of Jesus. And all he's doing here is just giving us instructions on attitude. So the primary purpose of fasting is to celebrate our dependence on God, to celebrate uh, our reliance on Him, but also to break up are, are the crust of our dependence on anything else. He becomes the center of our fast, right? He becomes uh, the, the, our sustenance and our strength. There are some secondary purposes. By the way, please notice, 
Fasting is not about losing weight. Fasting is not about control. In fact, some of you may be struggling with eating disorders, and fasting might not be the best way to manage this right now. There might be some other disciplines that we need to engage in to help break up this this crust for you. Because food and eating disorders, food is primarily about control mechanisms. We need to just recognize that no, fasting is not about control. Fasting is about surrender. It's about giving God control. It's about letting Him move us. Because I can't be produced in Christ's likeness by myself. The Holy Spirit has got to be doing that. So fasting is a way to cooperate with that. In fasting, as a secondary purpose, we come to know ourselves better. We, we come to learn what we depend on for comfort, which, but which actually becomes a mechanism of control for us. Because, I mean, the, 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 the truth is, uh, I first started to work through this when I realized that I um, have an unhealthy relationship with coffee. I'm just saying that right out loud now. And, and, and we'll have a, a group meeting afterwards. Uh, but but I, I, so, so once a year, uh, during the Lenten season, I need to set aside coffee for long enough to make sure that I haven't become addicted to it, that I don't get headaches when I don't have the caffeine, that I, don't, that I, that I'm not, that I can be kind and gentle and nice whether I've had my du- uh, double short cap or not. Do, do, do you see? And, and I, I, I've discovered the reason I need to do this on a regular basis is because I'm not a nice person if I haven't had my morning coffee. I have coffee. Sometimes the line at Starbucks is so long, I want coffee to get through the line to get the coffee. Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? It's like they should have a little cart out there in the parking lot for people who need coffee on their way to the coffee. Uh, anyway, they, they don't, but I'm just suggesting if any of you have like pull. Okay. So 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 but I've dis- the reason I want to push on this is because I've 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 discovered that I need things a certain way in order for me to be happy. Why? If I'm not kind without coffee, I'm not kind. I'm drugged. Right? If I'm not kind without adequate rest, I'm not kind as a character. I'm kind because I have capacity to think about it. You think Paul and Silas sitting in that prison sang a song because that was the religious thing to do? No, they did that out of who they were. Prison was as good a place to worship as any other place. Do you see what we're after here? So it helps me to know where I'm, I'm depending on things. If I have to, when I walk in the house, turn on the TV, or when I sit in the car, if I loathe silence, what am I doing? I'm hiding from myself. I'm creating a buffer, an insulation between my life and my reflection on my life with noise. Even if the TV's, if I'm not watching it, if it's, I just need the noise. I can't stand the silence. What are you afraid of? Short answer, me. Okay, guess what you need to fast. Do you see where we're going with this? So I want to learn 
What have I depended on for comfort? What am I actually giving control of my life over? Secondly, I, I need to learn how to say no to myself. And when I have learned to say no in, 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 in this area, that translates skill-wise into the capacity to say no in some other, some other areas. Uh, and this is, a, this is a critical one for us because this, there's an old-fashioned word called mortification of the flesh. And, and it's just a, a way of saying my body is not in charge and I dare not let it be in charge because it will drive me in the ditch of crusted comfort. And we can afford to do that in our culture. But it's unhealthy for us if we're going to be transformative presences in our culture. Fasting is a good way to learn how to be sexually self-controlled. Fasting is a good way to learn how to negotiate your relationship with alcohol. Fasting is a good way to learn how much prescription medication you actually need versus how much you can take and still get the doctor to pull the subscription. Prescription, rather. Do, do you see what I'm saying? It's just a way of shaking up. What have you come to depend on that you don't need to depend on? Because God says, I'm enough for you. We make progress then in overcoming those besetting sins, primarily of gluttony, greed, and lust, as we learn not to be defined by our appetites. One of the other things that I think I just want to mention, it's, it's a, it's a, it, it enables us to begin to learn how to pray with integrity. Give us this day our daily bread. When I fast, even for a short enough period of time to begin to let, to be signaled by my body that something's out of control, I begin to identify, even in a tiny little way, and I don't want to make more of this than it is, but I begin to identify in a tiny little way with my brothers and sisters all over the world for whom the hunger that I feel momentarily by choice is their daily existence. Once I was a youth pastor, we regularly would do a 30-hour famine. Um, World Vision had a kit, and they it was it was fabulous. Anybody done that? It's 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 a great way, to, especially with 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 kids uh, who have been raised in a in a in a culture of plenty. To 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 start to think about people who live hungry all the time, and to give resources that I might have used for myself to satisfy my hunger to support them. It's one of the ways of learning how to identify, even in a tiny little way, with the sufferings of my brothers and sisters in other parts of the world. It's not the primary purpose of, of fasting, but it's a good secondary purpose. And then when you get good enough at it, fasting can be really helpful as a way to intensify focus and intensity in prayer. It can be a mark of repentance. It can be a, a, a mark of mourning. Uh, scripturally, uh, fasts were called to intensify the people's calling on God for intercession. You've got to be good at fasting to, 
to to uh, let it supplement prayer, um, which is why I think the discipline of fasting uh, is is a, is a critical one. You'll notice that it, fasting isn't primarily about twisting God's arm or making Him do something He doesn't want to do. He's not impressed with us, right? Fasting is a way of shaping the, 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 the nature of my encounter and walk with God. So I'm going to invite you, um, as uh, Pete and the team come back up for just a few minutes as, as we conclude, I want you to, to, to think about what are, the, what are the things that you recognize, and just invite Jesus into this conversation, that you have begun to depend on for comfort. And you've begun to, you realize this has been something that I have allowed to insulate me from the work of God's Spirit in my soul. And maybe even this morning, you're just feeling a call to do something about that in the imitation of Christ. And whether it's food or or some other comfort level that you have, 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 have started to hide in. If you, you want to be useful to God in His kingdom's work, this is a place I'm going to invite you to ask the Holy Spirit into. Alright? Let's pray together. Father, um, we're not smart enough to know what we need most of the time. We are too easily satisfied with things that are not eternal. And even though many of these things are good things, we recognize, O Lord, how easy it is for us to hide in them. So I pray for us, Lord. I pray for myself and my brothers and sisters here that in these next couple of minutes you just um, address us on this. Lord, where have we started to hide from You? In the things that are good things, but which have become contributors to that crust of comfort that has to be broken up in order for us to begin to really feel this, the seed begin to take root and to let the water of Your Spirit nourish us. Speak to us in this, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name.